dark. Hail your dark senior. Hail not mock needs. Hail your asir. Hail our O senior. And I welcome the Valkyries to summon me. Hail the day. Hail the sons of day. Hail to night and her sister. Hail the gods. Hail the goddesses. Welcome back to another episode of Through the Thunder Podcast. I was fortunate enough today to be joined by two friends who have previously been on the podcast, Elliot and Zach. On this episode, we discuss our feelings going into midsummer, where we gather as a community to celebrate the old ways, as well as lessons learned from that experiences, our plans for the future, and we delve into some interesting matters around prayer and faith. I really hope you enjoy. Well, what a long, strange trip it has been. We have uh, survived midsummer and we've come out the other side unscathed. Um, Zach and Elliot, thank you for joining me here today. No problem. Um, great to see you guys again and, and, and obviously chat about um, obviously what happened at midsummer, experiences there, and maybe to go off on a few tangents and see where it takes us, huh? Oh, yeah, that'd be quite nice. Also, did you answer Zach to my name being called? Are you Elliot? No, you're not. I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's Here okay. we go. I'm joking. I'm joking. Here we hi, go. guys. I'm Elliot. Back for another episode. But now we got our good buddy Zach involved. So, I was thinking, guys. Um, let's start um, with. Um, what happened at kind of midsummer, um, and our kind of um, our thoughts going into it, and what we kind of learned coming out the other side. I'll start with Elliot because I know you'll be absolutely champing at the bit to get uh, a word in. So go for it, man. Okay, so I was, I would be honest if I'm going to be honest. I mean. I was a bit nervous, as I am, I, as I am sure that everyone was. Though I was a bit more excited more than ever because I had full faith in that you weren't horrible people and you weren't going to sacrifice me. Which, hey, I wasn't sacrificed. <laughs> um, so I had like a quite a long journey going to Birmingham, where I'm being dropped off by my mum and then being picked up by the lovely Zach in a little uh, car. We have a few others, Robin and Jamie. And we made our way there. We absolutely enjoyed the journey because we sang, we talked, and we just got to know each other far better than we possibly would expect. And when we got there, I believe we were technically the first, but then we had to go out and do some shopping and Tom. And then the Scots, which is one of you, Fraser, you were one of them, and you guys got there next. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and 
we got all the food or the first idea of food, came back with Todd, I believe, uh, got jump scared by Lauren, who was hiding in like the corner room in the entrance, which was <laughs> interesting. Not my funniest moment. Because I think so, I squeezed so, like a girl. You, you, so it's fair to say that before uh, Midsummer going into it, you were um, a bit nervous. It's, I think that's normal to be nervous because it's the first time meeting all these people you've been speaking to online. What about mm. um, the fact that you were going to be running um, or hosting, shall we say, leading even your own uh, Baldur's Block? What were your thoughts on that? Now, that was a very heavy thing in my mind because... I don't want to sound like I'm preaching virtue and stuff like that, but the idea is that um, I'm not just doing this for me, but I'm doing it for others. And I don't want to sound like a really hippy dippy philosopher here, but I'm also doing it for Lord Boulder, the God in question. And um, so that was in the back of my mind. I was actually rehearsing it in my head, looking at my phone sometimes, which I also typed up an entire script for it, then put a phone down, tried to recite it perfectly, which I did very, very annoyingly enough. I recited it perfectly. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to do this. I'm going to be the best. Everyone's going to love me. The God's going to be happy in question. And um, yeah, and I thought it was going to go great, which it did. But it didn't fall through exactly the way I expected or wanted to. But I'm still relatively happy after kind of pondering over that mistake. So what happened in reality then? Well my dear audience listening essentially i was kicking off very strongly in the beginning and it was when i got to the midpoint where i think i said some lines that i was planning to say a lot later a lot sooner and then what happened was that kind of threw me off and <laughs> that's when i kind of started to panic in my head and it just kind of fell apart slowly from there but I, I, still, I did finish it. I didn't just stop because that would be pointless and very, very unsensible. So I just kind of pushed on, but it was very broken. And, okay, everyone was pleased with it, and they didn't understand that it was uh, not the way I wanted it until I actually said aloud, I forgot some of it. I forgot some of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Zach, really what did you make of um, Elliot's blot to Boulder? I, I quite liked it. Um, it was de it was definitely full of Elliot's personality. He obviously he definitely made it his own, not just lift and shift from something else, or he wasn't playing. There was a lot of passion in there. Um, he took quite a lot of, um, um, if people haven't seen the Baldur's Block, um, the, he took the, the Yule tradition of jumping the fire for good luck um, and obviously being for Lord Boulder, um, solar guard it was it was quite nice it was it it showed you a little bit more on how his mind works so i was really pleased with it um yeah. and yet like he said the, he might have not done it exactly to the t 100% perfect the way he wanted it but yeah again this is life it it doesn't go perfectly but i think he did a great job yeah i i feel that as well i felt that uh, when he kind of shifted into the mindset of i'm leading this now and we're beginning he kind of he was Elliot, obviously. You were Elliot, Elliot, but you <laughs> had this different edge to you. Um, you were taking it very seriously, which I really respected. And the conviction and the meaning and the passion behind what you were doing will will always trump um, any kind of small mistake or fluffing of the lines for me. So I was really impressed by it. Um, 
if I can just jump quickly to you, Zach, what were your thoughts before arriving to Midsummer? What were your feelings towards it before you got there? Um, I think, uh, as everyone was nervous, but I think I, I think I put a lot more pressure on myself due to me being the host, me doing quite a few of the rituals, me being the you know the, the person of responsibility for asking, you know, nine or at the time we thought ten. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say strangers, but, you know, I don't really think you know people, really, unless you're looking them in the eyes, face-to-face, in, in flesh. So we've took a digital community and we've took it into the, the physical. And I'm responsible for how everyone, what people thought of that weekend or in midsummer, did they enjoy themselves? Did we provide some form of spiritual feeling while we was all together? So I think... Probably being a little bit more harsh on myself, I was absolutely nervous, but I was excited because this was something I've been wanting to do for a while since I've made the Discord. And, you know, for some reason, people started to follow my Instagram, YouTube, and then some of the UK pagans came into the Discord. I was like, you know what? I want to create something special for us. Um, so nervous, excited, but I think there was a lot of nerves yeah lead up to it so guys um what would you say um your favorite moment of midsummer was and we'll go to elliot first for that okay well i'm going to do the most basic maneuver here and say i love all of it uh but if i had to choose one particular moment where i enjoyed it the most oh okay now that kind of daunts on me i'm not sure um oh darn because Okay, I think I'm going to have to point to the Freya's sacrifice or Freya's blot that we did where yeah. Jack and Robin were leading it because that was a, well, like my spiritual occasion, it was the moment and unlike mine, <laughs> it didn't fall flat. And it also just it was very nice. It was a beautiful sight. There was lots of grass on our feet. There was this lovely, not gargantuan tree, but it kind of had this kind of angled look to it, almost like a bonsai tree, except... It wasn't a bonsai tree. It was just a lot bigger and it was a European one. And yeah. we had all this decoration on the side and it kind of worked like a little table and we placed some of our offerings or poured it depending on what we had. And then there was Robin who was kind of banging the drum a little bit. And she, she then did her singing at some point with her eyes closed. And that was beautiful. Actually, that really put me in the moment. And Jack, he did quite well for himself. Really. He really like. Um, sorry to toot my own horn, but like you were describing me, he really became a bit more serious and a bit more focused and thinking, okay, this is no longer Jack Jack. This is Jack, the semi-priest of this occasion. Yes, I hear you loud and clear, man. I hear you loud and clear. Mm. What, about, what about you, uh, Zach? Any moments that stick out for you? I think there's a few moments. I think um, for me, some of the big takeaways, and I'll start with the I work my way up to my most favourite. I think sign bell was the first ritual that we all did together, and I think the principle principles behind the sign bell or sim bell, whatever pronunciation that you want to use, I, I really think for the first ritual that we all did together, probably the first ritual that most probably all of us have done, not as a solo worship, but I, even though we had problem with the bugs at, at the time, I really think that what we wanted to achieve was achieved. I really feel that we got a real deep connection. We encompassed our weird, like we, we wanted to, um, it, I, I, that was really, really good for me. I think like 
breathtaking even still it gives can I, me can I, chills. can I quickly interrupt you and apologies for doing so but could you maybe explain to us like what the aim of a sign bell is like what what it's all about sure so sign bell is a drinking ritual but it's not what you think it's not let's drink as much as we can or get as drunk as we can as quickly as we can what it is it's our ancestors believed in hospitality a good host a new you know entertainment and bringing people closer together that's what our ancestors really did on an evening they didn't sit down and watch tv or just watch grass grow so a symbol is designed to be a drinking ritual but you encompass your weird you encompass your past and your present and you lay ambitions to the future um it was kind of how scaldic poets got some of their some of their material majority of their material so there would be uh, an actual person um, obviously in a more formalized setting not as just friends as we was um, whose job would it be to remember all the sagas so let's say if i said i defeated x y and z back in the day it'd be the, a particular person's job to understand if that's true or if that's not false um so it's really just bringing past present into the future so you just you, you're getting that real good sense of uh familiarity friendship kinship um weird and just laying laying everything out, you know, laying all the cards down and saying, This is this is me basically. And I think when everyone's doing that, you get a lot, lot closer. Yeah, just well just while we're on the topic of sign bell, before kind of uh, then we'll jump back to the other moments that stood out for you. Um, Elliot, could you talk a little bit about you, what your role within the sign bell was, please? Very happily. So it all started really in our Discord. I believe Zach just pointed out saying, oh, is anybody good at making poems or roughly something like that? And I'm quite responsive on my phone because like a typical teenager, I always have it on me and I'm always using it. So as soon as I see a message notify, I click it instantly. And I was like, yes, I can do it because I like poetry. Oh, I'm starting to get into it. And then that was it. I was the poet or the, the well, as the old English word, I think it's an old English word, the shop if I'm saying that correctly, which is spelt S-C-O-P. Um, and my role was to essentially speak these poems that I composed um, at the sign bell. Now, just simply blur into one. There's like a formal kind of way it goes around. So I believe I started off with a poem. Then we went round doing the actual sign bell stuff. Then I say another one, went round again. Then I said another one. And I think that was the last one, but I... But I think I was plotting to do a fourth one, actually. Yeah. Um, and I think from the source that I have read that also I think Zach has, which is Anglo-Saxon and Norse rites, I believe. I can't remember the name of that book, but I think you have. Yeah. It. yeah. Um, essentially, it states that the shop or the poet doesn't necessarily have to just compose a random poem, but it can actually relate to the actual mythology or perhaps something that's relating to their life or somebody else's life that they may know of. And I guess, assuming that everyone else knows so that it doesn't leave the context out for everyone else. And it's to, again, kind of build that fate or weird together. Yeah. Um, especially if it's divine fate or divine history from the past and then merging it into the now. Yeah, man, that was very well explained. I really enjoyed the poems as well. And one thing I did notice about Sign Bell, it's kind of like Fight Club. What happens at Sign Bell, you know, stays at Sign Bell and we don't talk about the details of <laughs> the stuff we uh, divulge. But um, what Oops. I would say is I... No, 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 that's fine. 
but I just I mean like when we were going round and we were like kind of it started off um, almost like no one was really sure what to say when it came to their turn to, to to talk about something they'd done and talk about something they planned to do, and it was interesting because people I could see the nerves or the uh, you know apprehension dripping off of people literally, um, but by the end of it when we'd completed it, it's like we just broken down walls. Um, mm. And we we all seemed to, to be so much closer. So I really felt for me that Seinbell was one of the most important, um, uh, for me at least, moments because after that I felt so much more comfortable comfortable with everyone. I don't know if you guys felt that. Agreed. Oh no, I, I felt you definitely break down a lot of barriers. But I think that everyone was a little bit nervous and had the walls fully up at the beginning. Uh, but I think maybe from Second round, once everyone started going a little bit deeper and the next person went a little bit deeper. Well, the second round, I think we was talking about some of our most treasured, not treasured is not the right word, most secretive is not the word either, um, precious states mm-hmm. of mind that we've been in our most vulnerable or states of mind that we've been in like, Oh, he's dropped out. Oh, that's a shame. That's fine. I can edit that and we can edit that and uh, we'll sort that. Um, just while he is away, um, Elliot, um, even though you were the poet um, during Seinbell, did you feel as well that walls were broken down? I would have to say yes. Um, perhaps I'm talking about myself too much, but... In, when we actually first met, before we actually did anything, so when we got to the place, uh, I would like to think that my walls, let's pretend that they're made of ice, like they're a glacier, uh, they slightly melted down a little bit. But when Simbo came around, especially to the end, that's when it completely evaporated. That's how I would describe it. Yeah, 100%. And we have Zach back. <laughs> I was talking and I, I stopped talking and then um, I dropped out for some reason. It just disconnected me. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so Zach, you were kind of also talking about. Um, we went off on a tangent to kind of go deeper into Seinfeld there. But what other moments for you at Midsummer kind of stood out? I think there's two. There's two, and I want to say them both equally as important for different reasons. Though. So, firstly, one-on-one over ceremony that I did which was with you, Frasier, and obviously Elliot being the witness, <laughs> that was a real big learning point for me in hosting and doing rituals because I wrote everything down and obviously I did quite a few rituals so I couldn't remember everything. But your 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 oath ring ceremony, or not ring, but oath ceremony that you did, obviously we invoked Tia, um, that was pretty much off the cuff rehearsal there was no pre-thinking it was just done and I, and I felt a lot during that and then the the second thing that really stood out for me that we was there's two there's two occasions one on the the second night everyone was just interacting sitting around the fire and it was just seeing community and then yet again when we was all like in the bedroom like, and I think he was playing the guitar. Everyone was like singing Disney songs and whatever. I, I was lying on my bed and I just looked and was just like, this is community. And I think 
it was breathtaking from from my perspective just to see people from Scotland all the way down to the corners of Wessex and everything <laughs> in between just came together, not knowing if that was going to like the people when they actually see them in person, but sitting around a campfire, talking, singing together, all together. And I think that and the oath ceremony really made my, really, really made my midsummer for me. Like there's so many good moments, but at the top, those are the pinnacle for me. Yeah, it was it was like a beautiful thing when I mean I always talk about this. I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> but it's like sitting around the fire, right? Sitting around the fire. It's the most basic human thing ever, right? How to, like all sitting around the fire as a community. That was so special for me as well. I remember sitting there and Elliot pulling out uh Jackson Crawford's uh Poetic Edda and started reading uh, uh what was the one you read, man? I read the yeah, the Voluspa. The Voluspa, yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, the name escaped me there, even though it's like my favorite part. <laughs> it's embarrassing, but there we go. Um, and it was it was so cool because we all just sat there in this magical moment as a community, not online. And online's amazing, but not online. I should be on that. We're around the campfire. Um, the the night was drawing in, and we're hearing stories as they were told maybe a thousand years ago or more. And there was magic in the air, man. There was magic. I mean that. It was so thick, you'd have to brush brush it away from your face. That's how powerful it was for me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was that that I totally agree with you, Zach, on that one. Like it's not all about the rituals and stuff like that. It, there's other moments which are so powerful, especially as we're all meeting for the first time. So what what I'd say is, um, you you obviously had all these feelings going into midsummer. What did you feel afterwards or what lessons did you learn would you say and i'll go with uh, elliot for that um well when i left out when i left the actual place with zach robin and jamie in my head i was very satisfied very content very happy and i what i learned from that was if you generally act nice and you have full faith even though they're should be a little bit of caution, I guess, in situations when you're meeting people for the first time. You can generally have fantastic get-together moments and actually know each other very well in just such a short space of time and really become quite close to one another. And I think I also learned, and sorry to jump it back to the boulders block kind of thing, but um, I learned that even though I know it's a thing, and even before I went to Midsummer, everyone makes mistakes, I learned after most of you were like, okay, Elliot, it's okay. You don't have to beat yourself up. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I learned that essentially I don't need to be so upset if I get something wrong. I can just do it next time and then perfect it and then do it next time and perfect it more. 100%. It's like uh, we're all going to fail all at times, whether it's a big failure or a tiny one, and all we can do is uh, – you know, we might fail again, we might fail again, but we'll, we'll try again and, and we'll fail better until we get it where we need to get it. And and from my perspective, I know from your perspective, you always see that moment um, uh, maybe bittersweet for you. But for all of us, and, and, and I certainly can speak for the group here, we thought the block was fantastic. Um, the, so, so, Zach, um, what about yourself, man? Any lessons learned or any takeaway thoughts after Midsummer? Yeah, I... And... <laughs> Not to try to say um, a bit about me, but I got a lot of belief in myself from completing Midsummer. So when we when we said our goodbyes, um, it kind of just made me feel like, see, 
I kind of had a good word word with myself. I was like, see, you didn't have to be nervous about meeting people. You know, we've been in lockdown for nearly two years, not really been socialising. So, and that was a big thing. Like, I was like, will will I be able to hold conversations with people? Um, I know as silly as that sounds, but when all I, when all you talk to is your partner and your child and maybe some the occasional person, you know, socialising is a skill. So that was a bit of worry. Um, I felt like I didn't have to worry about holding any further rituals. Like I'd done the first few and I was, well, the last one, which was your, your one, I was definitely feeling better connected. A lot, learned a lot of lessons in performing a few rituals. Um, majority of it, it's don't look for perfection. And I think obviously going back to authenticity, which I know we've spoken about, um, Frasier, it's even though you are trying to be authentic, you're trying to make sure that it's perfect. Well, yep. guess what? Life's not perfect. Beautiful moments aren't always perfect to the T. So just be as authentic as you can with the emotions that you've got and with what you're doing. And I think when we did the O ceremony and we invoked Tia just before we finished and you stood up and did, you know, accepted the necklace which was like a representation of your oath the way that we all turned or I, I turned red and then the sun came through and just literally blasted us all like <laughs> that there was no rehearsal there there was no script there was no oh i think the only thing that we knew that was going to happen is you know we had the the t was on our head that was the only thing when i walked into that into that field where we did the the ceremony that was the only thing i knew i wanted to do and yeah, there was a lot of lessons learned, I think, like in, in the other details, such as managing and hosting gatherings. You know, you don't you don't think of, you know, just let's all come together and see what happens. I think we kind of had that type of approach for Midsummer, but obviously for you, especially you, Fraser, who's one of the moderators in the, in the Discord, you know there's a lot more planning, a lot more thinking going into what we're doing because, you know, we're doing four days this time, not just three. So we've got an extra day and what are we going to fill it with? What are we going to do? What are we going to try to accomplish? So there was definitely a lot more um, different things going on in there. Yeah. You know what? Can I, if I can comment at this point. I'd say that I think when you did that um, uh, oath <laughs> ceremony and Elliot was there as an observer, mm-hmm. I think that was authentically Zach and that was your personality shining through and that was your confidence coming out and that was going with the flow and being in the moment and not being restrained by uh, rehearsal or I need to get this perfect or those kind of worries it just came out of you and when you did that I responded to it because I felt it and I was like this is this is this is this is powerful you know and that made it special for me and I mean I remember when you I think you were walking behind my back and you looked up and the sun, the clouds parted and the sun shone down. It was a beautiful moment. I remember I was so excited. I think I pointed, pointed, pointed at Elliot and I went, Elliot, look, look, mate. I just couldn't believe it. I had this big smile on my face. Like it was a, it was a great moment. Uh, and it was, it was very, very authentic. Um, and I remember uh, as well, Elliot, um, something that you've, you've kind of been working on just now as well. It's like, I don't know what your title is, but it's like the uh, Feldike saga, if you will, the saga of Midsummer. So how's, that, how's that going? Thank you for bringing that up and thank you for asking. So 
my lovely audience or our lovely audience, not mine. Um, <laughs> I have been writing pretty much a recorded account, if you will, of what happened at Midsummer. Now, it has been quite a small while since then. And obviously, we didn't record every single little bit to put into Zach's lovely YouTube video about it. So to some extent, like actual myths and legends, some of it is probably not actually word for word accurate to what happened or it's not in the right order. Uh, luckily, though, luckily, though, um, I would say quite a good portion of it as it is now is roughly accurate to what actually went down and what was said. Now, of course, I'm writing this in a more poetic fashion with five line stanzas. So every stanza, there's five lines, um, unless it's my poems, because when I've written my poems, I've actually just done them as I wrote them in my little sketchbook right here in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um but other than that, five stanzas or five line stanzas. And I've enjoyed it quite a lot, actually. I had to really think about certain things because since I'm writing it in a more poetic way, I'm trying to make it more formal in many ways. Um, so most of what you guys have said in what I have recorded so far, yes, it is what you said in terms of your message and meaning, but it's not as in what you said. So it's a lot more poncy. It's a little more pompous and um, formal. It's almost like an actual... Okay, I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but it's almost like an actual saga or yeah. a legend kind of thing. I, I was going to say, it's like that's exactly like how the uh, sagas and Eddas are. They're, uh, it won't be exactly as it happened, but it'll be interpretations to capture the spirit of perhaps and mm. the intention behind. Um, so, Zach, what do you think about Elliot uh, writing down these sagas? Are you looking forward to, to reading it? I am. I'm looking forward to reading it. I'm looking forward for him to be on the channel, for the YouTube channel, to actually do the recording of it. Um, I've spoken to Elliot about his saga, which we won't. I won't talk about everything that we've spoke about because obviously it's definitely early doors. But I've got some plans for the saga because somebody's once said to me that we are our ancestor. We are. We are. We the we are the ancestors of the, of our future children. So. You know, when we think about documenting, like you and this podcast, you and, and me and this the Discord, this Instagram, the YouTube, we're documenting our, our sagas and are definitely documenting our lives. So this is just an extra arrow to um, arrow, a bow to the to the quiver, if you will, to make sure that our children's children's children, when they look back and go, well, how well how did Norse paganism go or Anglo-Saxon paganism go in in the UK? Well, actually, have you heard about this? Have you heard about that? We've got we've got digital and written accounts of what was done, what was currently believed, and I think that's magical. I think we yeah. need more people doing that. And how awesome is that? That in like five years' time, when the memories of that first midsummer have kind of faded somewhat, and people can't really, oh, I can't remember how did that go again, and 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 what happened at sign, but I don't remember. And then there's there's this written. Uh, a saga if you will in poetic form of what happened i mean that's a beautiful thing and a great way to cherish a memory of something may, no I, um, may I jump in actually so <laughs> oh crikey i need to become more humble but i kind of like the idea even though i am possibly over um stating my possibility or capability sorry i just like the idea that in 50 years maybe 100 years or 200 years if i write more about these or compile it into one kind of Compilation, that word, uh, of all these little compilation, that's it, sorry, uh, of all these little stories and merge them into kind of one book, if you will, or one kind of uh, script. 
Uh, I, I kind of feel like I'm going to be the new Snorri Sturluson, but less of an asshole. Oh, I said a naughty word. <laughs> That's uh, fine. Yes. No, I don't. Th- I, I think you'll be more of an asshole, if I'm being honest. I don't know if Zach will back me up on that. 100%. Mm, I guess I can be a little <laughs> bit of a prick. All good. All good. So, Midsummer, I think it was a great success. I think we learned a lot of lessons um, and the things that went well and the things that didn't go perfect. I think there was all lessons there. And I think it was like the minute we finished Midsummer, there was talk about Yule, which is six months away at the time. It's like, we need to get this going. Yule while we were at Midsummer. So, we didn't even. We didn't even finish midsummer. We didn't even we didn't have that reflection, that insight to say, well, did we all enjoy ourselves? Did we all um, feel that it, what we wanted was accomplished? And people were already talking about Yule, and I, yeah. that, it was quite a very humbling because, yet again, I, I hosted midsummer, so I asked people to come together. So. In the sign bell, my boast is to bring people together again for Yule. And without even the, <coughs> sorry, the event finishing, uh, midsummer finishing, we're already talking about the next one. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm guessing people are really enjoying themselves here. And I think, yeah, it, it, that touched, touched a, a lot. It touched me a lot that did. Before even we finished, it was... Can we do your? When's your going to happen? Can we take our deposits? Where are you looking for? How many people are you going to take? And I'm like, we've not even finished midsummer. I've, I've got to think about an oath ceremony and midsummer <laughs> ceremony. Like, I, I, oh, I, yeah. I haven't thought about that yet. <laughs> um, and you know, look, we're we're about a month on, aren't we? About a month and a couple of days, and. Yeah. We've already got. We've pretty much got the deposit for the Yule place that we're going, and we already know what numbers we're having, and we're doubled in size. And that's a month, and that's being strict. I've had to say no to people, so yeah. that's mind blowing. That's an endorsement, isn't it, of the kind of time the the, the time that people had there? And you know, something that kind of struck me was how how much people I think needed that. Um, needed that moment to come together as a community and to honor the old ways, honor the gods, and uh, you know build frith with each other in the community. And the the the, the minute I started thinking about you, I almost felt like even though Midsummer was amazing, so special, I'll never forget it. It was almost like Midsummer was the demo, and. Sure. And Yule is, is the actual full full package because I feel that it's going to be it's going to be really special. It's going to be a big one. It's, I'm, I'm very excited for it. It's going well, to be sp- bigger. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, carry on, Elliot. It's fine. I was going to say it's going to be bigger. It's going to uh, be well with the place that we are eyeing up. I guess it's going to be technically more fancier. And uh, oh, I just can't wait for that Yule chill in the air. One hundred fire. So is there anything else, uh, anything you guys want to speak about uh, in particular to go off on some tangents here or? I'm not sure if I should talk about this because it might be considered sacred or perhaps silly to talk about. Um, but there on, I think it was on the last night. Yeah, it was on the last night. So we were playing in a little room that was on the side of the kitchen slash dining room, playing a card game. Uh, I think it was Cards Against Humanity. Um and one of our players was Todd, who we actually picked up on our way there. 
And eventually he goes out to just smoke because that's what he does. <laughs> Nothing much. Just goes to relax himself. And then he comes back in with this almost shocked face, but not like a fearful face. More like just, I don't know what happened, but I'm not comfortable with it kind of face. And I'm not sure if I should be talking about this because I do believe in these sorts of superstitions. But he comes in speaking of, um, oh, I don't want to say it, the, the, the Fae. He talks about them. And um, he believes at the time that it was that one of these entities that he not necessarily saw, but he felt. Because when he was smoking out there in a very dark night, because remember, this is summer, so it's very bright until the later hours. So this was almost like midnight. Um, and he just felt something was watching him in a malicious, malevolent way. And so he comes in, not running, but he comes in and says, OK, guys, I, I, I don't they're aiming up and i ooh, does, does anyone uh, have anything that they might want to offer just in case we uh, might get into some trouble <laughs> and he remembers that i bought some little cakes i can't remember what they were now but they were like little cakes almost like little rectangles and i used some for the freya's blot as an offering but i still had a few that i was planning to use at some point or hoping to eat oh sorry voice i think crack. i think, they're, I think they were eat. little like almond cakes or something almond that's it they were almond and um he was like oh elliot do you want to come help me and i thought well this sounds very intriguing and i kind of want to help you out and i want to leave you hanging here so i go get them um i think i was in my bloody viking age get up then as well so more formal um we walk out and he also got a bit of milk as well i'm going to mention that he got a bit of milk um in a mug and we go to this to the actual field that we've mentioned before next to something that i built i built this little kern or stone tower it's very small nothing much and we kind of stand very very poised in our posture and we say some very formal words saying um hello fey entity really really sorry if we have disturbed you because throughout this entire occasion many of us have been saying fey 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 and so on i don't want to say it too much um but we've been basically constantly saying mainly lauren i'm going to blame lauren on this one um and we apologized with so on we placed the offering he poured the milk over which by the way the actual kern place it also had quite a lot of bread because i also did another worship thing like a solo worship to njord who in anglo-saxon or old english it's reconstructed to be njord and there was lots of buttered but also broken up bits of bread that i scattered around the place as the offering okay so that's done sorry for rambling on so we go back in we go about the evening we finally go to bed i'm actually still kind of worried even though it was him initially that was a little bit scared i look out the window sometimes i thought oh i'm not safe now but i went to sleep eventually i wake up everyone else wakes up eventually and i eventually go out to leave the uh apartment structure the building uh to walk just a few yards down uh because i thought i saw something pe quite peculiar quite particularly peculiar and when i get there I don't want to exaggerate, but my eyes somewhat widened and I was like, oh my word, because the bread, and I mean all of it, even the stuff that I left there, the almond cakes and the milk, which probably just dried up and so on, was gone. The mug was standing upright. It was still upright, but there was no milk to be seen, no almond cakes, no bread, but the <laughs> tower itself was perfectly still and it wasn't damaged. And I'm thinking okay then i'm running back into the building and i'm going to tell todd <laughs> this and i told everyone this and everyone's like wow okay uh that was interesting so now 
even though there's probably many atheists or non-pagans are going to be listening to this thinking, what is he on about? I generally do believe in what they are known as the other folk. I do believe in those people now, and I'm uh, a little bit wary now. Now, that's me finished. My understanding of the other folk, as you put it, is zero, because I've not done any reading on it whatsoever. Um, But what I've led to believe um, from knowing next to nothing is that, is it not quite a Celtic thing? Yes. Um, Bearing in mind, I'm just going to throw it out here before I continue. I don't know much about them in depth, but... I'm going to talk about them anyway. So, yes, they are not a Germanic thing. They are originally a Celtic thing, predominantly in Ireland and Scotland, which are Godelic Celtic peoples, or traditionally anyway. Um, And they, if you want to do a more Indo-European comparative mythology kind of thing, they are, you one could argue that they are the elves of Celtic mythology. They're not exactly the same, but they are the elves of Celtic mythology because they do live not all of them but sometimes in barrows which are you know the kind of compiled dead areas much yes. like some elves um, it seems that the, the majority of the actual tales of recorded instances of these creatures or people is that they're mostly women humanoid women but they're still women there's very little men but they're still there but unlike elves which seem to be a mythological species um, like one singular mythological mythological species with perhaps, if you do believe in it, I know Zach doesn't, but possibility that there are ancestral dead spirits who ascend to elfhood. The other folk um, are more of a genus. They're actually, there's not one type of other folk. There's actually different types. There's ones that are considered small, some that are considered large. I think a creature known as a Spriggan, which is more known in Cornwall, is considered one of them. Okay. And they they have weaknesses apparently uh, it is believed that if you wear iron or steel mainly iron because that's to me anyway more dare i use the word pure uh it can harm them so in some cases it's more like contact but in other cases it's more like a warding kind of charm so in other words they get too close they don't like it now i can actually remember talking to kaylee about this who's one of the other scots because she actually knows far more than I do, because she's actually read actual sources about this, that if you put an iron dagger in your door, then they couldn't close or open it. If you wear iron in your pockets, then they can't like lift you up out of nowhere and toss you into the air. And okay. it's all sort of stuff like that. It's very interesting. Um, I, there's this one tale which features the other folk and actually features their legendary queen known, uh, well, the, the fairy queen. And the tale is called Tam Lynn, I believe, or that's the main character in it. She is a Scottish lady um, who had a father who was quite rich, owned many of the lands, and there was this random forest. And she's like, okay, I'm going to own it now because my dad's given it to me as a gift. So she goes wandering in, but there's actually a folklore legend tied to it that those who wander in, um, mainly women, of course, might lose their virginity if they don't bring something to the spirit that lies within. Now, she goes in. And I think, I can't remember whether she does it intentionally or unintentionally, but she goes in and she meets the spirit of a man and basically gets uh, up the duff, to say lightly. Um, (laughs) Eventually, it kind of gets known that to the father that she is pregnant. And she's like, no, 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 don't get upset with him. I'm the one that, you know, I'm the one that went in. This is my responsibility and his, but mainly mine. Uh, I'm sorting this out. So eventually she goes, talks about it to Mr ghost man and he talks about how he's not technically really dead he's just not really normal because he was actually cursed by the fairy queen um to 
basically be in this constant state of wacky doo-doo. And they concoct a plan to stop this fairy queen from sacrificing him at this Halloween kind of festival that they do, because that's what the other folk do sometimes. They actually sacrifice things. Now, generally, they don't like to do it with their own people. So if there's a human around, well, they might as well use that. Um, but when they take this Mr. Ghostman to go do it, um, that this whole concoctual idea was made by the ghost man, by the way. So Tamlin jumps over, grabs him from the horse, kind of leaps over and grabs him, uh, wraps him up in a blanket. And the fair, the other queen, she basically does this magic curse thing and turns him into a snake. I think some sort of big animal, but I can't remember what it was. Then into fire, like literal fire, but uh, luckily it doesn't burn her because it's magic stuff. And eventually he turns back to normal. And essentially he returns back to normal as in purely normal. He's now fully human and he's free. He's free. And the other queen is basically, oh, bugger, I guess you got us this time. But she seems semi-salty about it. She's not too pleased. But she says, okay, fair enough. You won. I'm leaving. Um, So that's one fairy tale. Um, Sorry to go off about this. I know I was stumbling and not making too much sense. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I no, can fine. continue if you wish with more. No, I understand. I, well, I was going to ask Zach, like, have you come across Zach, like, uh, any talking of, like, any mentions of the Fae or anything like that within Norse texts? Not really. Um, you you hear about him here and there in sagas and stuff, but nothing of to the great detail that um, Elliot has. Um, just relayed for us. I think when you look about from the North Pagan side, um, like in the book club, you know, if the our version would probably be elves who also live in barrows and have quite a lot of similarities. Yeah. Um, and we were talking, wasn't we, in the translation by Ben? Somebody help me. I can't remember. Wagoner. Ragnar or something like Wagoner. that. Wagoner. Ragnar, yeah. So in his translation of the Ragnar Lostbrook sagas and the sagas of his sons, on page fifty-two, first paragraph, they talk about um, Alfheim, which we all know to be one of the realms that um, Lord Frey um, resides over. It's the the home of the elves. Or so, but he talks about that Alfheim being an actual physical forest in Scandinavia. So that was quite interesting. Um, I know that, you know, in the book club that we have, we, we spoke about that for a little bit. Um, and on the last sentence of um, page 53, right at the bottom, it talks about two sons, um, Alfar and Alfarin, um, who were sons of Gandalf. So Gandalf in the Poetic Edit is a name of a dwarf, which could just be a name or the the dwarf but i found it really peculiar um which we spoke about that one we've got the reference to alfheim lord lord of the elves or the 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 home of the elves sorry being an actual forest and then we've also got um literally in the same chapter two people with alfar in the name alfar and alfarin so that was that was coincidences you go down a a conspiracy not a conspiracy theory but you go into (laughs) you know, what ifs or could it be? And you start going around a, 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 down a rabbit hole of, well, could the nine realms just be regions within Scandinavia? And 
these names have been lost in maybe great kings that used to reside over there. So one of the sons was called Alfar. You've got a place called Alfheim. Is, is, is that where we get that part of our sagas from and some of our mytho- mythology from? Don't yeah. know. Do you know what I mean? So it's quite interesting, but I don't know anything about um, the Fae. I, I had a, an interaction with the Fae once, I believe. So do you want me to talk about that or do you want to go on a yeah, different tangent? You can talk uh, about it. Please, go ahead. Um, so I, I, I don't particularly remember my dreams when I wake up. So um, for about three weeks, I was having quite quite excessive nightmares and quite uh, vivid, really detailed, like horror nightmares. And it was always about being attacked or being chased or someone, someone or some things were trying to hurt me. So I thought nothing of it as you do being, you know, an adult, you know, you've got, you got life pressures, spiritual pressures or whatever. Yeah. Just a nightmare. But when it was going on for two weeks and there was very like, you know, when you wake up and you can go, Oh, I had a dream about, I think it was about this or there was this that happened. I could tell you where splashes of water, or water droplets laid or what it fell on. And I could, it was very memorable, very detailed, very realistic. Uh-huh. So I was very, so about for a week or two, I was constantly asking, what could this be like? Is this something that I, is, is there something that I've annoyed and I don't know? Um, and just asking questions. So it kept on happening. Um, yeah, again, the dreams got a little bit more like violent and, and stuff and, and like chasing me and trying to hurt me. And then I think one night I was talking to my wife and I was like, I just don't know why I'm having them. Like, I don't feel pressured. I don't feel... I haven't watched anything horror that would like maybe have the same similar things that are happening in this. And then there was in the dream, it was like, like the film alien. So that type of monster is like black, but you kind of like a humanoid <laughs> didn't have like a large head. Um, but it came out of nowhere. And I kind of like the classic horror. I turned around, nothing was there, looked back around and it was upside down and it just, fell from the ceiling, looked at me dead in the eye and went, sigh. And when I woke up, I was like, whoa, what, <laughs> what's that about? Because, uh, you know, I don't really look into this, that side of, you know, our faith really. Um, I'm very much, I like to know some more of the facts or the academic things. And, you know, I, I do learn about some of the magic stuff with the runes and stuff, but nothing about the fire or those type of beings entities. Um, so I put a question out on Instagram. I was like, does anyone know anything about the fire and what they, what they do? How can, and I spoke to a person in America and I was like, these are the dreams that I'm having. And like, I don't know if it's just me, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it was automatically something spiritual or some, someone else's fault. It could just still be nightmares. And I was saying, these are the dreams I'm having. These, are, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then something just came and came right. You know, when you square up to somebody, that's how it like it, it came into my face and went fay, and then just like turned into black mist, and it was yeah. gone. And then I woke up, and the, the lady in America said, "Yeah, that pretty much sounds like the fay." I was like, "Well, what are the fay?" So she was really nice and spoke to me about spoke spoke to me about them, what they normally do. 
mischievous little so-and-sos like to cause trauma, play pranks, that type of stuff. Um, and I went, well, how can I stop it? Because, you know, I'm all, I'm all about, like, I, I can handle nightmares, but these ones are getting quite scary, realistic. <laughs> and she was like, normally a simple offering of, like, bread and milk. And I tell you what, on that night, <laughs> I put out quite a lot of milk, gave quite a lot of bread. <laughs> I was, you know, I, I said something quietly to my, to the faith that was there, like, really sorry for whatever I've done. Hopefully this, you know, pleases you um, and X, Y, and Z um, kind of did like a, a ritual in the home, like cleansing the home as well. Cause I was, you know, you might start to wonder, it's like, okay, I'll just do a cleansing of the home, go room to room just in case anything's lingering or from the previous per- per- person who homeowner, cause we've recently brought this house uh, in January and Literally the next night and since I haven't had anything like that um, dream-wise. So that's my only interaction and I would more than happily never have an interaction like that again, if I'm honest. That must have been some pretty tasty, organic, full-fat milk. <laughs> my uh, blue top straight away. Yeah, blue top. We're not, we're not, we're not going to fuck around though with the red top. This is blue top all the way. <laughs> not even green is allowed. No, no, no. We're going uh, full blue here. Now that that sounds awesome, man. I mean, pretty scary as well to have something like that. But then to um, you know, carry out the rituals you did, and then for not to be you know plagued by that anymore is interesting. Certainly, certainly piques my interest because it's not something that I know anything about or understand. It's like kind of with me and my approach to the ruins as well. It's like still something that I'm like trying to get to grips with but my mind just doesn't seem to grasp the i can appreciate these things but i just don't think i i fully understand it if that makes sense mate i'm, I'm a couple of years into this faith and i have moments where i don't do a lot of reading but when i read i do quite a lot of reading and try and consume as much knowledge as i can because i want to help people and do things for people and x y and z and even not even I, I've got I've got one room book. No, sorry, I've got two. I've got a stage book and a room book. And I read it. Really love the information. It's really easy to. It's really broken down very well. But I don't mess with runestone. Like I'm a couple of years in, and I think that's one of the big things that I feel people or newcomers don't really appreciate. They just go, "Oh, it's magic. It can only go right. Magic can go seriously wrong." Well, we had two members of our Discord, kind of, I think they've been uh, pagans for a long time, very, very educated guys. And they were talking to me about chaos magic and like sigil magic. And like they got talking about like uh, one of them in particular was saying, well, the runes are just um, letters and it's the intention behind what you're doing. Um, now that can be argued for or against, and, and I'm not here to have that conversation necessarily. But what did ring true with me was. Um, Anything really can be magical, I think, um, w- w- if, if certain things take place. And one of them being um, you put your attention and focus into something. Um, for example, I talked earlier about how, and Zach, you said as well, about how that moment midsummer was really, really special. And, then, and I said I felt like it was magical. And, and I think in a way it was because something powerful was happening there in terms of like, um, growing bonds within the community and I think we certainly had the favour I mean I, I don't want to speak too boldly but I think we did have the favour of the gods uh, 
and and, and the ancestors among us then. Um, so for me, I find this stuff fascinating in terms of like things like sigils, bind ruins, ruins, uh, even like things like the Fae. Um, but I don't understand it and I'm not ready to really go on a deep dive yet. But I think I will eventually. I'm just, yeah. I'm too, there's too many other books I'm trying to read first. Um, so I, I, I'll, I'll go down that road eventually. I second that. There's, there's too many books that I've already promised myself that I need to read pretty soon because that's the areas of my knowledge that I really want to get on. Um, the room magic and, and stage and stuff are always going to be there. But I, I would second what you said, actually. You know, like how many times, and this is taking it to the real extreme, right? So how many times have you watched a movie and something inspiring happens and then you think to yourself, so like let's take Lord of the Rings when... Um, they're at the, the gates of Mordor. Um, I think he's king. No, he's not king there, but uh, Aragorn says, he does a little speech and he goes for Frodo and then he leaps on his own. That even just a deed or a word, an action can have magic because what's magic? And mag magic is doing something with a react and then a reaction happens. So at its, at its core, something silly like a deed or a, like a phrase can hold a lot of weight especially with people what are your thoughts on that elliot i would agree with how zach has described magic but i would like to add on to it and say magic is another form of energy or it's just energy but more direct in a more weird and fantastical way that i think most people are just going to say oh but if it doesn't shoot fireballs from your fist then it's not magic kind of thing 100 percent agree 100 percent agree <laughs> i think we've got a, a conception of what magic is it's you know not 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 saying it's like harry potter's fault or the film industry or games but to that effect you expect you know magic is creating fire and nothing it's creating you know earth bending or water bending or something like that it's like no if you ask I, I watched a couple of videos just like for, like social media scrolling and the, I ended up watching some witches talk about magic on either Instagram Reels or TikTok or which one, or either or. And I was talking about that exact thing. It was like, when I tell people I'm witches, I expect me to be able to create fire out of nowhere. And it was like, no, I set my intention and over the coming days, weeks or months, that energy and that focus will manifest and that's what will happen. Mm. And it's it's that changing mindset. It's not about creating levitating things and doing these supernatural things as like a physical, like creative fire out of nowhere. It's manifesting energy directly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the magical thing. Speaking on that then, do you think that what when we make an offering to the gods and they accept that offering and they perhaps act in our favor or on our behalf in our request that we've made to them would you say that's magic or is that something else oh um so when you give offerings to the god you, you're building relationships um as you do is in friendship like me you and elias you know the more that we do for each other the stronger our bonds will be and it's the same with the gods um I think it really goes down to what you personally would say or describe magic is. So if you take what I said originally, uh, I really do like Elliot's version, actually directed energy or a life force actually. But if you take what I said, where a deed or a phrase or words can be magical, 
not magic, but magical then. Yes. Then, yes. If, if, you, if you're talking about something that has a reaction or an action when you're doing something spiritual, then yes, I would say that's magic or magical. Um, but if we're talking literally magic as in the sense, in the sense of runes, staves, incantations and stuff like that, you could say about incantations because you, you know, you, we've all done all been a part of rituals now as a gathering. You always have an open middle and a close. It might not be like a chant or a, a continuous chant, but I don't know. I, may I jump in, please? Sorry. Yes, of course. Go ahead. Um, so I do agree with what Zach has said, and hopefully, I'm going to say. But I'm going to start with the soul, like the heathen idea of the soul. Now, one bit of the soul is the breath, which, mythologically speaking, was given to us by Othan himself. Now, that is a vital part of the soul because it keeps us alive. Um, and when you breathe, you're basically expunging your soul, which is quite magical, if you ask me, out into the world. So when you're talking, and I can't remember what exactly is, but I can remember hearing a few people state this, is that you're bringing your essence into reality even further every time you open your mouth and you know cause vibration so when you're praying when well depends on how you pray i normally try and go for vocal because i prefer that to mental stuff um i'm basically speaking um i'm, I'm not a magician per se but i'm speaking this somewhat magical energy because i'm directing it hopefully if it does reach it to a god or goddess um and hopefully they'll respond with this intent or magic behind it, this energy flowing through or to or wherever um, to answer it, whether it be bad or good. Um, uh, is there anything else I would like to yes. say? No, I just quickly jump in there. Mate. Let me just jump in there because you said something and just correct me if I'm wrong. Was it bringing the essence of what was it you said? I think I said bringing your own essence into reality even further yes, or something bringing, like that. Bringing your, yeah, your own essence into reality or, yeah. That's how I felt, Zach, when you did the uh, oath ritual. That's a better okay. term for what Elliot said. It was like it was it was manifesting something within your own essence was coming out and it was the authenticity was there and it was a, an amazing thing. I just, I just wanted to pick up on that because I liked the way Elliot put that. Um, what I want to ask you guys is, right, um, and this might be a bit too personal, so I mean, feel free not to go into details or anything. Um, I'm an open book, so go for it. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll go with Zach first. Then, um, when you have prayed or made an offering to the gods, yes, have your prayers been answered? Huh. This, this is. I would say yes, but I don't pray for. I don't pray for things that the gods can give me in, so to speak. So I, I pray to thought every day when I put on my milner and when I take it off. So when I wear my milner, I pray twice a day to thought alone. Um, I don't mind sharing what, what my prayer is. It's nothing special. It's just something that I, I, I come out of me when I thought of a prayer to think, cause I wanted to make the, the ritual of putting on my meal a, a lot more meaningful. So I, I go, uh, Thor, Thuna, Dona, thank you for the strength that you give me each day. May you continue to continue to give me that strength so I can be a better person for my family and the community. So, and when I do offerings, a lot of them are to, I would normally work with three Thor, Odin and Tyr. 
I don't ask Odin to do X, Y, and Z. I don't ask Thor or Tyr to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I thank Thor for the strength that I have. When I go to the gym, I ask, I do, it's kind of more real, ritualistic when I lift heavy weights to Thor. When I prayed and give offerings to Odin, I don't say, please give me wisdom. I say, thank you for the ability that you've, you've given to me to learn. Thank you for the curiosity that you've given me. So I don't just accept one answer. I go to multiple sources and the same with Tia. I don't ask for bravery. I don't ask for confidence. I ask for him to show me my confidence, not his confidence. So I would say, yes, my, my prayers have been answered of when I've done them, especially when I was going through buying a house and then quickly being made redundant the resilience uh, or to find my resilience and my courage and my strength. Yes. But not, I wouldn't say I ask for something that I haven't already got. I, I ask to be shown what I've got, if that makes sense. Yeah. You ask for what you have in your life, what you have within, what you have without to be revealed. Yeah. So in my, in my, <clears throat> in my tear pagan prayer video, that's pretty sums sums up quite a lot of with, with Tia and how I look. So I I ask for co- my my courage to be shown to me or for me to find my courage when I share something that I might not be a hundred percent comfortable in. So sharing a midsummer video, even though I was really happy and I felt we achieved that we wanted to at midsummer, sharing the actual video of what's personal and what I've got on camera and my editing skills and have I portrayed the story right? That's a lot of pressure, you know, especially when I look at the video now and it's got over a thousand views in like less than four weeks. And I'm like, before I press upload, I was like, Tia, please show me the confidence of not worrying too much about this. And once it was done, it's it's done. And that's, that's all there is really is to say about it. But yeah, in, so, in, sh- in short, yeah, my prayers have been answered. Would a lot of, just just to, one last thing I'll just add on to that before I jump over and ask Elliot the same question would be, is it fair to say then that a lot of your prayers to the gods are more like acknowledgement and thanks to them as opposed for as opposed to a gift for a gift? Or have I, have I misunderstood that? No, I would, I would 100% um, um, agree with that. And I think... Quite a lot of people might, quite a lot of people ask for things. And, you know, when I went through redundancy, I, I did ask for a job, which I've been brilliantly thankful for actually being able to get another permanent position with a pay rise. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, I, I think that's probably a handful of times I've ever asked for anything. And, you know, it's happened. So, you know, you could you could took that down to you know skill or capability, but I asked recently for Tia to give me the confidence to carry on and not let the crack show, to carry on being being strong. And lastly, was help me find a job so I can provide for financially for my family because if we didn't, we would have to move out the house and you go down that that rabbit hole. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think quite a lot of people would say. When you ask for patience, does the, do, do the gods or God give you patience or do they show you how to use your patience? Do they send something your way to increase your patience, like training? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's more 
you could look at praying and offerings very transactional. I give you this, so you give me that. Mm-hmm. But in the same respect, let's you know, let's talk about friendship. Friendship is we get told a gift for a gift, which is excellent. But as friends, or when you have friends, you do something out of no initiation of something. So, like. You, you, you are the perfect example. I tell you some good news about me, and then you send me something to set for, for my celebration. Sure, nothing, nothing's triggered you to do that. But guess what? That's brought our bonds closer together because you've it's, done something. It's to celebrate and share in yeah. the success of a friend is a beautiful thing, I think, and uh, I certainly enjoyed it. And I hear exactly what you're saying by that. But yeah, that that's my interpretation. I, I think. If you if you ask for everything, if it is very like granted, our ancestors did do transactional worship, you know, yeah, it was life and death. And I'm not saying we can't do that. I think the, there's a there's a secret poison and a very quick um, what's the word I'm looking for? A very quick decline if all you do is ask because you're not putting in the groundwork. You're not showing true intention. Your your true intention isn't to learn, isn't to be spiritual. It's to, well, I want a car, I want a house, I want to win the lottery, or I want, I want this, I want that. Granted, you might be able to get those things. And I think that's what some people, especially when they come to religion, not knowing how religion normally works or haven't got a little grasp, a good grasp on how things work potentially, they just go, well, I asked Odin for X, I didn't get it, so Odin's not real. <laughs> mm. Yep. Do you know what I mean? I think you've got to really be looking to put the the intention behind why you're building that relationship. So, you know, we like me and you, Fraser, and me and you, Elliot. We we want to co- we want to be friends because we like each other's company. We have mm. good good times and experiences when we come together, um, digitally or physically. So, guess what? We're not always going to go. Zach actually put on the gathering, so I'm going to do this for Zach. It's Zach's done that for us. That's done a lot of our legwork. Um, next time, like the celebration of me being able to get a job, Fraser's gone. You know what, Zach? There's there's a bottle of mead. Have drink it all. Have a good celebration. Just on me. Done. Do you know what I mean? It's not always gift for gift. It's yeah. gift. It's gift. And what you get, the gift back is respect and, and kinship and friendship and bonds. It's not always a physical gift for a gift, but there is always something for something. Yeah. Mm. Well, I must say, Zach just came into his own there and uh, summed it up very well, I think. Uh, so thanks for sharing that, Zach. I appreciate that. Uh, Elliot, um, what, what are your thoughts, man? Have your prayers been answered at all? I would say yes, though probably not as much as Zach. I do absolutely adore what Zach has gone on and said. I kind of feel guilty because I do kind of lean a lot more in terms of my past to what Zach has been saying. Oh, I ask for a car. Okay, I don't ask for a car or money and whatnot. But um, I have done that more transactional kind of thing in the past. But now that you mention that, I'll probably try and do more like that. But um, yes, in short, my prayers have been answered. I can recite, well, not recite because that sounds really daft, but there's two instances where I'd say one was definitely a prayer answered and one was more indirect, but it kind of helped me as well. So it's kind of a answering. So the first one was to a goddess, which I believe to be Freya uh, in the same token, but I, you two probably don't, but I'm just going to say it anyway, but if I'm saying her name, right, Eostra, um, an Anglo-Saxon goddess uh, who is pretty much the goddess of the dawn. 
Now, I can remember praying to her and offering libation, which is drink, by the way, to keep the weather from absolutely shedding it down with water because we were having company over that we you know, had to be hospitable to and having food and so on. And it was very dark with the clouds. The clouds, they were coming over my garden. It was very dark. It almost looked like it was going to burst. And there were a few times where little droplets were dripping on through down to the earth. But it didn't even go boom like that. It maintained this, I don't even know how to say it. It just didn't burst. It didn't go bad. And I, even though she probably didn't do much, I like to think, oh, thank you, Lady Aostra. Thank you for that. And the next thing, uh, I know there are, there are more instances where I'd probably argue my prayers have been answered, but the second one, which I think is 100% definitely the case, was actually quite a few, well, yes, yeah, quite a few days ago by now. It's like last week. Um, essentially, there was this thunderstorm going and rolling in around my place. And even though it's probably not intended to be believed 100%, of course, but even if we haven't been told... To of the story or the idea behind it by our mothers and fathers. We probably all learned of the idea that Thor or Thunor or Donar, uh, when you hear thunder and lightning, is fighting and possibly slaying evil Jotnar in the Midgard realm. Um, but there was thunder and stuff going across my place. I didn't see any lightning, but I did see like the flash in my room go off one point. And obviously I walked out into the rain, got the rain pouring on me, a bit chilly, but I was like, yeah, yeah, get in. And so I walked in, and I think it was the next day after I actually offered to Thor. Thor, sorry, uh, I didn't pronounce my. Th so I got one of my uh, cans of lager that was like two pints, like it's a can, it's a very large can. My mum got me this as like a gift, and I thought, I'm going to dedicate this gift to Thor. And I got this big bowl, and I poured it in the libation, and I said, and I did a prayer to Thor. And it was may it was mainly a thank you, really. It did have an element of transaction to some extent because I said, thank you, Thor, for slaying this possible even evil Jutun near me. Uh, thank you for protecting this realm and my land. Well, not my land. I'm not the king, but you know what I mean. Uh, please, 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 with this offering, continue to do so. And that was the transactional bit. And that happened. Now, I slept through it, but apparently, again, in the darkest hours of night around midnight maybe one o'clock in the morning um thunder and a little bit of lightning and lots of rain actually came across my home city southampton and again that's, it sounds really dark because you kind of have to be a very spiritual optimist about this but i kind of see that as continued protection um from the possible spiritual evils and you know being put in their place by the great thunderer himself um there was this other time, actually, in fact, since even though I haven't done it in a very long time, I'm kind of a Njord kind of guy because I like Njord, even if I have no actual job incentive in terms of me being a sailor to actually pray and worship him. Since I live by the sea or by a river that feeds into the sea, I kind of like him. Um, I have done a bit more transactional stuff, uh, so I kind of feel guilty t towards that, Zach. So uh, thank you for that. Um, but... Um, uh, <laughs> There were times where it wasn't really because there were times where I did kind of ask for heightened wealth when I go do this, that would possibly give me wealth. Uh, but there was this one time and I can't I think it was um, I think it was near to the no, it wasn't near. It was like near to the midpoint, near to the midpoint. Remember that near to the midpoint of spring. Um, and I can remember praying and offering to him. And it sounds dark, but I basically said, make the lands more fertile because Njord, even though none of our gods are seen as god or goddess of this or that, 
Um, like his two lovely children, he is seen as a fertility god, mainly of crops, but possibly also for, you know, the other kind of fertility. And I asked for that. And my garden, which wasn't doing too well, uh, well, it wasn't absolute, but it wasn't doing very After I kind of trimmed it with the lawnmower and helped my mum with a few things, it definitely looked a lot more beautiful and looked like it definitely uh, sprung back in spring a lot more than I would expect. Now, again, probably just spring being spring for you, but I quite liked it. And I thought, wow, thank you, Njord. Yeah, there you go, man. I mean, for me, um, I'm probably 50-50 in the middle in that 50% of the time, uh, it's just to give thanks for uh the gods in general and the god i'm speaking to and 50 percent of the time it's a gift for a gift type approach and mm. one of the things i don't do really um is i don't i'm not very specific in things i ask for whether that's a good yeah. thing or a bad thing i'm not sure but um i certainly did ask uh freya and her brother Frey to um look out for for myself and look out for my family um because you know it was, it's been difficult it's been a difficult year hasn't it with the lockdown and yeah. you know financially wise you know and I, I just come off a university degree and i didn't have a job and this then what happened uh I randomly got this like 300 pound check from the government that i wasn't expecting and then <laughs> um a few weeks later i got offered this dream job that i thought i had no chance whatsoever of getting and in fact, with that job, I was actually on the reserve list. So they said they said to me, "Oh, you don't actually have the job. We put you in the reserve list. If someone else drops out, um, then we'll we'll look at the reserve list. And it's a first, it's like the first, the best match on the reserve list would get it. And then then, then I'm in the car and I get this phone call. Um, and yes, the old me um, would have put that down to like that's just coincidence, just that's just coincidence. Um, and that and and that's that. But 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 now I'm like no, nah, there, there's something there to that, and, and I've always felt a, a really close bond with uh, Frey more than Freya, but both of them since, um, and that made me really think as well. Like, see, faith and having faith. Now everyone will be different, so this is the last thing I want to talk about, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a day. But for me, faith is like a muscle, in terms of like it takes work. Um, it takes all kinds of work. Uh, and one of the things for me is taking work is just having faith and realizing that it's okay to have faith and that I'm changing, I'm going from pretty much an atheist to someone who is spiritual or religious. And that new way of thinking and new way of seeing signs and occurrences and things within their life, first of all, it's brought me a lot of joy and um, a lot of happiness and empowerment. But it certainly feels like it as a muscle and it has to be worked, if you know what I mean, and you need to work on it. Um, Zach, how do you so, feel towards faith and, and the approach of that? 100%. I think, you know, this is why people seek and train, like in meditation, especially in the Eastern religions, to get enlightenment, to, you know, ascend. You can't just meditate one day and you know on your first day of being spiritual or religious you can't just achieve enlightenment or spiritual awareness in in one day it it is like it is like a muscle it, it takes tra it takes training it takes work i think when it comes to faith i'm i am more than happy to look at everything through a lens of faith i bring a good helping of skepticism like you know, I'm not going to just take everything and be a blind follower of, well, that means this clearly because I asked or done this or 
that's happened or do you know what I mean? So I think faith is definitely needs to be something that you work over time. And the more that you do, the more it will grow. Um, but especially when you're looking into things, faith, look into things. Um, obviously my normal approach is having a little bit of healthy skepticism as well. Could it be, could it not be? And nine times out of 10, like if I do see a sign or something and I'm like, Oh, could that, could that be? Nine times out of 10, I'm like, yeah, that's, de- yeah, it's gotta be definitely. Um, but yeah, and just to go back on if anyone that um, listens just to just to clarify, I think if you do 100% of transactional worship, well, I want this, this, and this, I think that will – I don't think that's the best. I think if you if you do transac- transactional and then honour and worship as well and thanks, that you need to find a good balance of what works for you. Just, on, mm. just to, just to uh, relay back to that point, yeah. Faith is definitely a muscle, uh, such a metaphor. It needs to be worked. You can't just – rock up and say, well, I'm going to be a pagan or a Christian or uh, a Muslim. And in one day that you, you achieve spiritual awareness, enhancement or whatever word you want to use in one day is something you need to work on. I'm sure it's a discipline. The... It's a discipline. Sorry. Mm. What about you, Elliot? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, sorry to sound like a dunce, but could you please repeat the general question? Um, my um, belief is that faith is a muscle in terms of it must be uh, you have to work at cultivating it Um, early days it's very easy to doubt yourself or feel that oh that everything's just coincidence it's not actually the gods or to feel that oh this is actually silly why am I thinking like this I'm talking about the approach of an atheist like I was so, so my mm. question to you is like, do you believe that, like, this is like faith is something that you need to work at? You don't just rock up on day one and you completely believe and that's that. Or do you disagree with that? No, I completely agree with that. Um, even since um, most of us pagans or heathen specifically in our case are not all, but most are coming from a Christian or Abrahamic background. I think those people who are running away, they can even argue back in their days when they were Christians or being forced to, that there was an element of trying to cultivate a more spiritual awareness. Obviously, it didn't work for them, and that's why they eventually found this place. But even those faiths, they need to eventually cultivate it over time. Now, I know all of us don't have our we all have our little things about Christianity and specifically depending on what our lives have been. But jumping back to paganism and whatnot, yes, I do believe that faith and spirituality and so on is a muscle that should be exercised. Um, speaking of exercising this, I'm starting or I'm trying to, much like meditation, I'm trying to slowly work my way up uh, to do this thing, which most of the listeners here may think is a bit Christian. But I'm trying to do this thing where I grab my Mjolnir necklace that I was gifted by Zach in the Seinbell ritual. And uh, basically, thank Thor, because that's the first thing that comes to mind when you hold a Mjolnir necklace. But I'm probably going to try and thank thank um, gods that kind of relate to harvest-like things for when I have dinner or lunch. Now, I, I don't do it all the time, because when I'm in front of my mum or just anyone else who has no idea that I'm a heathen, um, I keep my mouth shut. I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that. But when I'm by myself or in an area in the house where they're not in, I'll... And if I remember, of course, and I don't just bite on in straight away, I'll say, like, thank you, Thor, for the meal, because your rain's bringing that good harvest, not bring, but your rain 
waters the crops of farms and you bring good fertility to the land as well. Thank you. And then I continue to eat. So, yes, it may seem a bit Christian or Abrahamic, but I think that is also one of those little things that you can do, which is seen similarly to what Zach said when it comes to the um, the on the honor and respect kind of worship rather than the transactional. Um, I'm after his words and after everything he said, I'm probably going to try and do that more. I'm not sure how often, probably not too often, because even though it may sound like a daft belief, I don't think you can really just constantly phone call the gods every now and again and be like, oh, hello, Jim, can you please get me this? Or, hello, Jim, I just want to tell you that you're brilliant. <laughs> uh, so I know you're trying to do this object or trying to thing, but bring you and say that uh, I love you. It's like, no, don't don't bother them too much. Um, but yeah, I I do think little things is it are quite brilliant. Uh, I don't think I have m- much things to say about it, really. Uh, I certainly started off not necessarily going to be like Mr. Billy Bollock's Pope kind of guy. No, I wasn't going to be like that. But um, I was kind of thinking, okay, I'm working up on this. How do I keep on doing this? Because like you, I didn't come from a Christian background. I came from an atheist background. So even though I would say I've become quite a bit pious, even by most of the heathen standards within our Discord, sorry, I do kind of look at it from a little bit of scepticism as well. Um, Oh, what was I going to say? Yes. So I, I would say that I have naturally grown more spiritual or not spiritual. I mean, I have kind of noticed more spiritual things, not since I've thundering cracks of lightning every now and again, or that the sky opens when I walk into the street. No, Um, but it's more, it's going to sound dark, but for me, it's more tied to animist kind of ideas that everything or the, the vast majority of things have. When I kind of tap into that animist side of pretty much any polytheistic religion rather than a monotheistic religion, uh, I kind of see the, the, even if it's more metaphorical, kind of see the spiritualness behind the, the majority of life. Um, and I mean like bio, biological life and not so biological life. And um, sorry to kind of go off on a tangent here, but I even made like a little poem that I'm going to try and recite from memory about this more animist idea about spiritualness. And I think it goes, uh, every bush and tree, every rock and flower that you see, um, every beast and insect that be, they have souls, savvy. Lake, stream and sea, so do men and women you see, so do the gods that be, they have souls, savvy. Um, of course, when it comes to streams, lakes and oceans, even though some might say otherwise, I don't think the entirety of that thing has a soul. But in some cases, especially when you look at other religions of polytheistic nature, it's not that they, the thing itself has a soul, but a soul is residing within it sometimes, which then again, perhaps rocker here, but sometimes they do generally have a soul because there's lots of, it doesn't sound like a real hippie, but there's lots of energy Again, using that key word, energy, behind that. And I think when you become more, I don't want to use the word pious, but when you're exercising your faith muscle, um, you naturally kind of see that more as well. Yes, Um, you start to notice these things without a doubt, like the things around you uh, that you may have taken for granted before you realise that could have a a spirit, a soul, perhaps, especially great rivers or great uh, and great rivers or great, great sites uh, of, of where they note. Um, listen, I've really enjoyed um, your input. 
um, today, and I really enjoyed kind of rehashing uh, the fond memories of Midsummer. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking forward to, uh, you know, maybe setting up a debate or setting up a topic. And what we'll do, Elliot, is we'll get you back on and we'll find someone else who would like to jump on and we'll kind of maybe go back and forth in a debate type style. Um, But unfortunately for now, time has run out, I'm afraid. Well, that's a shame, but everything must come to an end eventually. Even an end must come to an end. So, um yeah, thank you for having me on here. I would like I like the idea of becoming a bit more of a regular here. Uh, of course, this is by all means your podcast, not mine. But of course, I absolutely adore sharing my voice with everyone who wants to listen, especially <laughs> since I stumble and fumble on everything that I say. I'm sure when I were talking about the other folk uh, quite a lot earlier, nobody understood what on earth I was saying, especially when I was reciting the tale of Tam Lin. Uh, but anyway, it, I'll silence all- myself. It's all great, Elliot. Listen, whenever we do, uh, whenever I've got like a pagan thing lined up um, or like I said, I'm trying to plan maybe some debates. Um, mm. I'd love to have you on as one of the people, the firm people, and then we'll just find like an opponent or something like that or, or a topic to discuss and we'll bring someone else on to join you. It'd be great. Um, I'm really glad you joined us tonight. And I think Zach's just jumped off, unfortunately. But yeah. thanks to Zach as well for joining us. It was uh, great to hear some of his thoughts on the topics we brought up today.